What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Coach and K-Dot, episode two. We are so ready for this episode. We got a bunch of stuff coming up. My name's Iman, and alongside me, as always, my guy Kyler. Kyler, tell him what's up. Hey, guys. Appreciate the, the listens, the last the last episode there. We really appreciate that and the support. Uh, today, we got for you guys, we got a preview of the NBA for you. I know that's coming up. Uh, had my fantasy basketball draft last week, so I'm looking forward to this season. Talk about that a little bit. We've also got some local content as well um, here for some local fans, whether it be whether you're hockey, whether it be college football, whether it may be locally, we'll talk about that. And then also some NFL, of course, right in the middle of NFL football season here. And I'll try to wrap up that for a little bit as well, give you that overview, and then end up a little bit of an ending statement. So uh, that's what we got on store for you guys today. Can't wait. Let's get it. All right, first things first, we got the NBA preview of the Western Conference today. Kyle and I have each picked uh, five teams to, to look at, to speak about, and we're going to kind of tell you what to expect, some things that pop out to us that we're looking forward to. Uh, Kyler, what's the first one? I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, very intriguing team. Uh, of course, you have some big names, Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Djokic. Uh, you also have Gary Harris is another guy. They, they Those three guys are, are huge scores and huge parts of this team. Of course, mm-hmm. last year had a great season, especially the regular season. Djokic, you know, top five player in many people's minds in the league. Absolutely. So this year they return, obviously, in my opinion, the, the expectation has to be returned back to that level of, you know, very, very good in the regular season. Of course, you get to the playoffs. It's the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough road no matter what. Right. But I obviously think right now the expectation in Denver is we're going to return back to that level. There's a couple of new names. I think of Jeremy Grant is one they've now brought in, uh, a great two-way player. Uh, of course, he was in Oklahoma City earlier. I believe they traded a, a 2020 first-round pick uh, for for him to mm-hmm. get him in here. So, obviously, they think he's a big piece of their future. Right. Of course, the health of Michael Porter Jr., I think, is a very big deal as well. 6'10". I, I mean, so many people talk about how great he was going to be. Star. Yes. And then the injury. And then the setbacks. And the injury. The setbacks and that vicious cycle he's had. Rumors are right now he is now healthy. Um, and of course, we know with a back issue, when you're 6'10, you have back issues, that's not any news anyone wants to hear. Right, right. Um, so with that being the case, I think still this this core is still is still together. That that was there last year. They've added in some new pieces. If they stay healthy, Joker's pitch up numbers, I think he's capable of putting up. And Jamal Murray, I think he's easily can easily put up, you know, 20 plus a night consistently now. Yeah. Um, no doubt in my mind about that one. So I think with all those things being being together, um, I see them anywhere again falling that that two, three, four C maybe. Uh, that's the window I think they need to be in. Um, anything below that or obviously missing up house would be a huge disappointment for this team. Yeah. Because they have the star power to do so. Yeah, they absolutely do. And Jokic is such a transcendent player you know a, a point center if you will mm-hmm. a big guy who he'll run the break he'll find the open man probably the team's best passer they run everything through him I love watching him play and Jamal Murray just got that huge five-year extension um, he's expected to be great take a big leap this year so I'm really looking forward to the Denver Nuggets my first team uh, is the New Orleans Pelicans and obviously Zion Right. Everybody yeah. wants to see Zion. Report just came out yesterday from Woj that he's possibly going to miss the beginning of the season because of a knee injury. And this is everybody's biggest fear. Is he too big to play? 
Is he too big right now to play? Uh, he's about 280, they say, 275. He's 6'6". Six, six. Um, obviously, he's a lot of muscle, but is he going to have to bring that down in order to be effective? Um, I'll be honest, I was really considering getting league pass because Zion's going to play, and I just want to see him play a bunch of basketball. But if he's going to be hurt, that's something that, as a consumer, I'm, I'm a little concerned about. You look next, the rest of the team, you got Drew Holiday, J.J. Reddick coming off the bench, Brandon Ingram. Obviously, it's the New Orleans uh, Blue Devils. You know, I got every Duke player ever on their team. But I think Drew Holiday is going to be the biggest part of this team. And he was an all-star, I think, five years ago uh, when he was in Philly. But he's really underrated. Um, he is often considered one of, if not the best, guard defender in the league. On top of that, he can score at all three levels. He can shoot the three, shoot the mid-range, finish at the, finish at the basket. Good point guard. He got the other team's best player. He's a transcendent player for this team. You add Lonzo, who reworked his shot. That's looking really good now. He's hit a few threes in preseason. You add Brandon Ingram, who should be taking a step. Um, he's kind of in that Andrew Wiggins phase where he should be good, but he's not. And we're still kind of trying to figure out what he is. Um, my biggest worry for the Pelicans is their bigs. They brought over Derek Favors from Utah. And he's a solid veteran that will get you 10 and 10. Um, a little worried about Jalil Okafor. I like his game, but he's still kind of struggling with confidence. Lost a lot of weight. Has looked good so far. But I think if they can get some just consistent minutes from their bigs, they don't have to be great. No one's expecting them to be all-stars. But can you just consistently come in, do your job, play good defense, get some rebounds, and finish when you're asked to? If they can do that, I think the Pelicans are a fringe playoff team. I really do. And if Zion can come in and contribute, he doesn't have to score 30 a night and come in, 15 and 8, 20 and 9, somewhere in there. If he can consistently do that and just stay on the floor, I see New Orleans as a fringe, fringe playoff team. And uh, don't sleep on J.J. Redick off the bench. That boy can shoot. What you got next? We'll go with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, a team that's had a lot of change, um, especially with their rotation, their players in the last last uh, last year, but the last few years. Um, of course, locally, um, of course, no longer obviously in the league, but locally, Tim Duncan mm -hmm. was the face of the Spurs, man, and from Wake Forest, yeah. right down the road. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch even growing up, of course, now he is far removed from this franchise, uh, of course, obviously in the, in the past few years. And then the next guy come up, and everybody thought, man, he's the next face of the San Antonio Spurs has also been removed from that franchise mm -hmm. with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. So now the question is, okay, what's going to happen with this franchise? Well, the good news is for Spurs fans that the guy at the helm is still Greg Popovich. True. And I will tell you one thing about a Greg Popovich team is they're going to be well coached, they're going to be prepared, and he's going to rest the starters when he has to. <laughs> so, I mean, you just know that. Know those three things uh, for sure. So if they have any kind of lead, any kind of playoff security, man, just know – if you're a fantasy basketball owner, understand this. Just expect them to be removed from the roster for about the next two weeks if they're anywhere near uh, the playoffs for sure. But with all that to say, Greg Popovich is a phenomenal coach. Uh, might even serve the comparison of the, the Bill Belichick of the, of the NBA. You know, I mean, like, what? I mean, that's that's an interesting comparison to me. He's a little more outspoken, I think. Uh, Belichick yeah. doesn't say a whole lot, but I can maybe see why I've heard people, some people say that. Um, obviously, you cannot talk about the San Antonio Spurs without starting with uh, DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading some reports that Pavovich is expecting DeRozan to become more of a 
more of an offensive threat than he was last year in the East. Really wants to start with him being able to shoot the ball from three. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of Rosen's game that apparently has maybe grown um, from during the offseason. And I think Hobovich is looking for him to expand that part of his game to three. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is obviously still there. Um, when I think of LaMarcus Aldridge, his mid-range game is what just stands out. So good. I mean, so unbelievable with that part of his game. So those two guys right there yeah. are, are the key to San Antonio's season. But they have some youth. Uh, uh, I think Murray's one that I did not – he did not play obviously in 2018-2019 with that torn ACL injury. Some early reports are suggesting either him starting at point right, right away mm-hmm. or even coming off the bench. Um, either way, I think that's going to be that that youth, that spark coming in. Uh, and, of course, they have some key reserves um, with veteran leadership that I think of. Uh, Damari Carroll, I mean, the guy's been the guy's nerd, but an experienced guy, mm-hmm. um, a guy that knows especially how to shoot the ball from three. Uh, Patty Mills, um, good night. Did he light up international play this summer or what? I think he not only let international play up, but also uh, Team USA up. Yeah. Um, and his, his uh, NBA coaches watching it happen during that whole game there. Um, but Patty Mills just always know what you can get from him. Yes. Veteran leadership, but he's going to come, he's going to score. And then Rudy Gay, um, that, you know, 14 points, seven boards, five assists kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So they have the pieces there. This is not the team uh, led by Kawhi Leonard with that, with Danny Green, and that group that you saw for, you know, that, 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 that run in the West. But I still believe this is a team that will make the playoffs and give 23rd, their 23rd consecutive playoff appearance for San Antonio. So I still see them making the playoffs. Um, it's not as secure as what we were talking about earlier, my Denver one. You know, I, I see them two through four easily. If they don't make it, it's a huge, massive disappointment. Um, I, I have even some predictions where San Antonio is not even in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit outside looking in. But if the Rosen game has expanded, like, and he plays like Popovich wants him to play. The Marcus Aldridge stays healthy, and the veterans come in, and, and Murray comes in and is healthy as well. This team has the potential to get in that bottom tier of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe even surprise some team because Pavic's coaching that he's very good, and he's one of the best in the game right now. Yeah. Um, so that's where I see them on right now. That that French playoff team, maybe seven, eight, somewhere in that category, probably. Um, but I think I think they get their twenty third consecutive one when it's all said and done. And the Spurs, I'll be honest, I don't watch the Spurs. It's not fun. They're so boring, man. <laughs> I mean, they just, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he comes yep. off the screen, pull up Jay. I get it. Well, Marcus Aldridge on the left block, over the right shoulder yep. every time. You can't stop it. Yep. I understand. I just hate the Spurs. I was a Laker, I'm was a Laker fan. Grew up watching the Spurs and Lakers battles. I have no love for them. Shout out to my mom. That's her favorite team. <laughs> and I hope they lose every game. <clears throat> my next team is Houston. And this team is a huge question mark to me. Not that they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good regardless. But how good can they be? Mm-hmm. Russ just went out yesterday with his, uh, an injury on his shooting hand. We're not sure how serious it is. Um, he already can't shoot, so I'm not worried. <laughs> Harden is going bananas in preseason. Yep. And I know a lot of people may not like this, but to me and – Come talk to me if you think differently. But to me, James Harden is the best offensive player in the history of basketball. Wow. And here's why. His efficiency is through the roof. And he shoots 10, 12, sometimes 15 threes. He's been known to shoot 20 in a game. His step back has literally changed the game of basketball. Being able to come off the dribble and move around 
while keeping his form the same while shooting a high percentage from three. He gets to the free throw line an astronomical amount. He has, to me, almost mastered the offensive game of basketball. Mm -hmm. From free throws, getting easy buckets, 80 to 90% free throw shooter, shoots over 35% from three, including step backs, has a mid-range floater, gets 10-plus assists, can get 10-plus rebounds. He's a strong, big guard. He has all the tools, and he uses all of them to get 40, 50, 60 points consistently. Watching him play, I know a lot of people don't like it. They think it's ugly, and that's fine. But you cannot argue with his production. And he, by himself, can lead the Rockets pretty far. Now you add Russ. He's a fiery player on offense. He's going for triple doubles every game, stealing rebounds, all the good stuff. I think you put those two together, and I believe they will stagger them. But I think they're going to go for the number one seed. I think that's their goal. Yeah. Because I think they want to play a couple. I know they want to play a, a weak team, which they maybe San Antonio, they're not weak. Maybe the Pelicans, they're young. They want to play a weaker team so that they can save up their energy so that when they have to go against a Lakers, a Clippers, um, one of those teams, they're ready to go. Um Clint Capella, he's a big part of this team, rim runner, block shots. He knows his role. P.J. Tucker, great defensive player, very underrated. Um, shoots the corner three better than anyone in the league. Eric Gordon, he kind of took a step back last year. I thought that really hurt them, honestly. His three-point three point percentage was, wasn't what it should have been. I think he goes back up to where he was in that sixth-man role where he won sixth man of the year. Um, Austin Rivers, he's going to have to have big minutes off the bench. Um, he's going to have to be productive, and it's good to see him in the league and in a good spot. My biggest question for the Rockets is, what will Russ do when he feels pressure? Because mm. when that pressure comes, Russ tends to start shooting. Yep. And if he starts shooting, they're going to lose. Yep. So I want to know that conversation between him and Harden, and Harden letting him know, Hey, man, when, it, when the going gets tough, give me the rock. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if Russ starts shooting, I love Russell Westbrook. He's one of my favorite players. But it's a fact he will start shooting when there's pressure, and he's not good at shooting. I think for a month last year, he shot 18% from three. Like, you could go into a game right now yeah. and, and shoot 18% from three. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And, and one thing to add on top of that, too, you were talking about Harden having that, that leadership on that team saying, hey, get me the basketball. I think it would cause concern because in Oklahoma City, there was always that question of whose team is this? Mm-hmm. And there's so many times you hear Thunder fans even talking, man, give Durant the basketball, and, and, it's, and it's Westbrook out there shooting during that little run, they, that, that stretch of that run they had. Yeah. I mean, there was a time, and, and, and my listeners probably know this, but there was a time where Harden, Westbrook, and Durant were on the same Dude, team. That's, Harden that's was a sixth crazy. man. That's was crazy. a sixth man. I mean, and, and think about that now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Russell Westbrook, one of the most electric guards in the game, but I think you're very right about that, is Westbrook is a second option on this basketball team. Mm-hmm. And if he stays in that role, as you mentioned, they're incredibly dangerous. But if it becomes a, you know, Russell Westbrook show and Harden gets frustrated, which he, he very easily can, true, and rightfully so, and it becomes drama, you know, which can very easily happen, I think you may have a – of what could have been. Yeah. 
you know, but you're absolutely right. But he's got to get West. He got to let Harden lead this team offensively. What's your next team? Um, going to Dallas Mavericks. Dallas hey, Mavericks. Luca. Luca. You know, he's he's actually one of the few European players that's been drafted and worked out. You know. Yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> you, you, you get NBA drafts like you know why? You know, and this is the kind of guy that's actually worked out and is incredibly fun to watch. I mean, just his IQ. It is off insane. the charts. Insane. It's off the charts. I think that's what sets him apart right now. He's off the charts because, yeah, everybody talks about his scoring ability, but he assisted on nearly 32% of Dallas buckets last season. 32% of Dallas offensive production last season was because of Luka's assists. <laughs> and everybody always talks about his production when he scores. Yeah, he's such a So let that sink in on how talented this young man is. And I think we are just scratching the surface. I think this is just the beginning. Um, and I'm going to get to you know my just beginning thing in just a second, but I think it's a three man show in Dallas. It's going to be Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Kristaps. Yeah, I think those are the three that are going to carry them as far as those three go. Of course, I know Kristaps coming off the torn ACL, but a lot of people are saying camp right now. He's looking good. Yes. Um, so I think he's going to be fine. I think obviously in time that that you know an ACL injury is not what it used to be. So true. Um, I mean, there's there's athletes now coming off of that injury and, and somehow looking better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know it's still a devastating injury, and it's, it's always a tough road to recovery. But it's not what it was 10 years ago where it just changed an athlete's career forever. Yeah, and you were done. You're done. Right. Now, with, I think, advanced medicine and things like that, we're seeing guys be able to come back quicker. Uh, with physical training, they're coming back quicker and sometimes even better. Yeah. Um, and so I think he'll be fine. So I think those three guys are the key. Um, J.J. Bray is still there. Is uh, always, you know, he's he's that that guy that's always been a Dallas Mavericks uniform. I think he always retired the Dallas Mavericks. He's about two hundred years. I was going to say he's a very old guy, but he's still there and will and will contribute. Um, so, a little known stat here: he needs to appear in nineteen games to move into fifth in all times play game uh, time games played for Dallas. <laughs> so, like you're saying, like he's been two hundred years. Oh, well, there you go. There's your point right there. Um, you know, fifteen postseason appearances in nineteen years. So this is a group that's been there before. They know it, of course. Um, but now there's a new face, uh, a new face in Dallas. You know, Dirk with him moving on. Now it's to Chris Dobbs. It's, it's now, you know, Luca, And then Tim Harway being that third option. He needs to be that third option. He needs to have that consistency, especially from the three-point line, I think, to be that third option. That's a good role for him. Too. It is. It is. And then they brought in Seth Curry. Uh, of course, he's down from the Brotherhood down at Duke, mm-hmm. uh, as you hear that term all the time now, man, the Brotherhood. But incredible shooter. Um, and he's not his brother, and, and you know, comparing him to his brother is not not a fair comparison. It's not fair at all. Uh, but I will tell you this: statistically, he knocked down forty three point nine percent of his three pointers over his last three seasons. That's so much. Forty three point nine. That's, That's so knocking good. it down, folks. Okay, you know, normally here, man, if you shoot thirty plus percent from the three point, you're a good shooter. Forty three. Yeah. 43. Like 35 is considered yeah, like pretty good. That's good. You know, you, you got a guy in college here shoot 30%. I mean, he's all right. He's not a good shooter. I'll take his shots. You know, you have somebody shooting 43. It's like, man, give that guy the ball. Yeah. I mean, and this this guy's an elite shooter. I would consider him that with those statistics backing that up. The question comes down to is this a playoff team? Mm-hmm. And as many uh different opinions I've I've read, it's 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 one way or the other. There's not me that say Oh, absolutely! It's a playoff team. Right. There's not me and that say there's no, they're they're gonna they're gonna miss no doubt. Uh-huh. There's that fine line I think they're playing with, yeah. and I'm gonna be honest with you. If you said what's your prediction with this team, I'm gonna say this team actually does not make the playoffs. Okay. I think we're a year too early. Mm-hmm. I think we're a year too early. I think next year another year development with Luca. Chris stops his back, barring no injuries. He's back another year playing with Luca. 
Harvard Jr. maybe roll grows a little bit, maybe add a couple pieces. It, it's not that I think they're going to be, you know, you know, bottom tier. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is the West is incredibly competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is not the East, you know. So, <laughs> you know, you, you have to play an elite level, and yeah. they have the stars to do so. So I think they're around that fringe. It would it would it would not blow my mind to see them in San Antonio battling out for that that seven eight nine that that little area right there. So um, a fun team to watch. Luke is always fun to watch, and yes. I enjoy watching him this year. I'm just wondering if we're a year early and in, in him starting to maybe make that that you know annual run through the playoffs. I think it yeah. may be a year early uh, for this year and, and talking about them making that big run. And you know what's crazy is that you say we're they're a year away, and I agree with you. Next year. He'll be 21 and Chris Stapps will be 25. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're setting up for years and years of years of just playing together and dominating the West. I will say this. Dallas is one of my league pass teams. Mm-hmm. That's someone – Luca is someone that I will pay to watch because so he is just incredible. I watched him in the Euro League a couple years ago before the draft. I want to see what is this guy all about. And he was playing with Goran Dragic from the Heat. And they're on the same Slovenian team. And Luka was easily the best player, um, killing everybody, reading off pick and rolls, always making the right decision, um, always hitting the the best shot. Um, He's just so smart for a 20-year-old. And I've heard the comparisons of him and LeBron. And at first, when you hear that, you're like, how does that even make sense? LeBron is a freak. Luka is kind of a, you know, pudgy European guy. Right. But the way they see the floor is incredibly similar. I said his IQ – I don't know if we can even grasp how elite it really is. It's amazing. It's and, and honestly, playing overseas since he was 14, 15, that is a huge, huge advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, that We will not get into that discussion today, um, but at some point I'm sure we will. That was a huge right. advantage for him. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Coach and KDOT Show. Uh, we're finishing up the preview of the NBA. We have five teams left. So, Amon, who you got next? Next, I got the Sacramento Kings. And the Sacramento Kings were one of my favorite teams growing up. I, I know they were rivals with the Lakers. When they were playing each other, I didn't like them. But I loved how they would run the break. I love seeing Chris Webber. I love seeing Jason Williams, White Chocolate, Doug Christie, Mike Bibby, Flade. That was a squad back mm. in the day. Mm. And it's been about since then, 2002, basically, the Kings have done nothing. Right. They've had terrible draft picks except Boogie, who they then traded. Um, they've really done nothing right. But then you bring in Vlade, and um, he was kind of a laughing stock for a little bit, first couple years, and now the Kings are right back in it. Last year they were, I think, finished 10th, and they were right there for most of the season trying to get that eighth seed. And what they've done is they've, traded for some pieces and drafted some great pieces. And you got to start with the Kings with De'Aaron Fox. One of the fastest players in the league. If you ask him, he'll say the fastest. I'm not going to disagree with him. (laughs) And he pushes that break. And the Kings, what they want to do is they want to get out and run. They get that rebound. Fox is coming around. He's getting the ball and he's pushing. And if you don't stop him, he's going to finish. If you stop him, he's kicking it out to Buddy, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And it's really good to see Buddy do well because – when they first traded him from New Orleans, when he got drafted for Boogie in that in that trade package, people were like, Buddy Heald? Right. You traded Boogie for, for Buddy Heald? Yeah. And it's so good to see him now do well because in college he was a monster, turning out to be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, 
we got Marvin Bagley, who, again, from Duke, feels like everybody is from Duke, and I'm kind of sick of it, but he's there. Um, I think he's going to be the starting center this year. They lost Lee Cauley-Stein, who it was good but not great. Marvin Bagley is going to fill in that role nicely. Um, as a rim runner, he can shoot the mid-range a little bit, can step out to three if you need him to. Good rebounder, bouncy finisher. Yeah, Harrison Barnes from North Carolina, um, just a just a classy vet. Yeah, you know, just a classy vet. He's not going to do anything super special. He might surprise you here and there, but with Harrison Barnes, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get about 15 to 17, six to seven. Um, he's going to play defense. He's going to play his role, but he's a good leader. He's a good locker room guy, and that's important on a team this young. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got Yogi Ferrell off the bench. Um, you got Bielitsa, who I think is going to be on the trading block, but he's a very good piece for them as well. Um, I'm interested to see what Harry Giles does, again, from Duke. Um, and I'm going to stop talking about Duke for the rest of this podcast. But Harry Giles is such an interesting prospect for me because he's been hurt. He didn't play his first season. He started to play a little bit last year towards the end. I think he's extremely skilled. I think they might actually use him as a trade piece mm-hmm. because I know he doesn't want to back up Bagley. I know he wants a chance to play. Right. And I think if they give him some time early on and split him and Bagley, I think you'll really see what he can do. He can dribble. Um, he's good in dribble handoffs. He can handle the ball himself. He can shoot the mid-range. Good finisher, good defender, versatile player, can switch off on defense, which is huge in the NBA today. Um, the Kings, again, one of my league pass teams. They're so fun to watch. They're going to score. Um, I watched them play the Warriors last year all four times, and every time it was close. You know, because they're playing the Warriors, they we're, we're coming for the best team. And they, that was really their coming out party when they played the Warriors. When you could see Buddy and see De'Aaron Fox um, and see Bagley playing together, Harrison Barnes. So I, I'm interested to see how they're all going to continue to that next year. Um, I think that's their biggest question. As a young team, are you going to take that next step forward? Or are you going to end up taking a step back? You know what I'm saying? Are you guys going to gel more or are you going to take that step back? And that's the biggest question for the Kings because I think if they continue to grow and continue to play together and run their system with new coach Luke Walton, Mm -hmm. not Dave Yeager, who was a great coach and got fired, um, with Luke Walton, if they continue to grow in that way, I really think they could possibly sneak up to a 60. I really see them making that big of a jump because they play so fast and so aggressive, but also under control. Wow. Yeah, I think the one a word to use, I think, for that team would be intriguing. Yeah. There's a lot of intrigue with that group. Um, my next team is going to be the the Utah Jazz. Hey. And uh, I'll tell you what, of course, last year, 50 wins. And after all that, first round exit. <laughs> and, of course, um, so they did a lot of uh, a reworking with this roster. Uh, letting go of basically Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, Jay Crowder, Corver, and then Grayson Allen. Now this is a brand new group basically, and yeah. a group that has a lot of expectations. And a lot of age. A lot of age. Um, you start off, I think, right away with, the, with their biggest acquisition, Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Conley. And and man, he's such a veteran. He's when He was in Memphis for years. It felt like forever. I mean, it's been years. Um, but now he's got that, that new destination. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of that that um that resurgence of a career, kind of like new new team, new identity. Right. This he has some players around him now. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's named not you know from the here's past Zach Randolph. You know, so he's got a lot, a lot more uh, there than that. 
But of course, he has one of the best uh, shooting guard right beside him, Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I I know, and this is another topic for another day. But I know people were incredibly frustrated with Team USA uh, during during their national play this summer. Um, and that's another topic for another day. But Donovan Mitchell, I think, gained some some good leadership skills during that time. I agree, and I think this is that blossomed him as a young man and as a player to help him lead the Utah Jazz, which is what he's supposed to do and was expected to do right. um, for him. Uh, Joe Ingles, uh, man, Mr. Assist, almost averaging six assists last year, uh, the small forward position. Um, he was the fourth by fourth in the NBA in defensive ranking. So a guy that can really apparently lock down some def- lock down some guys on the offensive end. Joe this Led the assist, led the Jazz in assist 42 separate times. Um, so, I mean, kind of that – that dude all kind of guy, the kind of guys that you watch him play and he quietly just does his job. Yeah. That's the best way to describe Joe Ingles. Um, they bring in Bogdanovich, an offensive catalyst, um, the kind of guy I think to really just, you know, again, facilitator, um, and more of a quiet score again as well. Yeah. Um, he's the kind of guy you watch and next thing you know, he's 18, 20 points a game. Yeah. To me, him and Ingles kind of, they're like the yeah, same it's person. It's the same person. Yeah. Um, you know, Bogdanovich is that guy that you pick up in your, your fantasy basketball league, you know, as that rotational guy like every other game, you know, when, when your guys are not playing, right? So, because, you know, you want it because he's that free agent that's always out there, always finds his way out there, um, at least the league I play in. So, anyways, uh, Rudy Gobert at center. Um, man, in my opinion, he's a huge part of this team. Yeah. He has to stay healthy. He has to be good for them to be successful. Um, without Derek Favors now, he is their front court. Yeah, and he's he's the cornerstone of their defense. Absolutely, um, he matched Will Chamberlain as the only player with twelve hundred points and a thousand rebounds and sixty five percent shooting. Fifteen points last year, game twelve boards and two assists. I mean, that's the kind of guy you got to get that production every night from him, though, for Utah. Uh, I think to to not only make a run the playoffs, but even make a run beyond that even to the finals and in, in West Conference Finals, eventually the NBA Finals. Um, I, I tell you what, I really think this team right here is kind of just flying below the radar because mm-hmm. they didn't have that, man, let me go out and get Kawhi. They didn't need to go out and get Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But they assembled a group of five players that know their roles. And when you have that kind of a team, that can be scary when they get to the Western Conference playoffs. That's true. That's true. Um, as long as they can avoid Houston, Houston has limited them back-to-back times in the playoffs. So as long as they can stay out of Houston's way, that's been their kryptonite. Um, they can find find a way around them somehow, or finally, you know, eliminate that that weakness that they've had in the playoffs. Uh, I think they can go as far as as as, as they want to go. Um, the town is there, the core is there, the veteran leadership is there. Jeff Green is now on that team as well, mm-hmm. and you know he's been everywhere. The eighth NBA, his eighth NBA team, I think, in six seasons. If I'm correct on that. So I mean, the guy's been everywhere. He was. You can go back to you know original about the hard you know, Durant whatever years he was on that group as he well. Was, man, that team was stacked. I mean, how that team not going to be a championship? Maybe, <laughs> another, maybe another discussion. Uh, but now Jeff Green's there again, a solid player, solid production, nothing flashy, good guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. If they can stay healthy, this team has five guys that know the roles, and I think that's dangerous. And my biggest question for them is usually when you have a young player that's butting into a superstar. He's surrounded with other young players. Right. Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell has the opposite. Correct. He's a young player that's budding into a superstar with veterans around him. And I'm interested to see how they pick him up, bring him down. Um, he had a little bit of a sophomore slump last year. I'm a big fan of his game. I'm interested to see 
what his leadership is. And like you said, from the international game, obviously that was good. Um, I think he learned a lot as well. But what his leadership is, how Mike Conley brings him along, Bogdanovich, Ingles, um, Gobert. Uh, I think the Jazz, like you said, they're sneaky. They're sneaky. And, and you don't want to play a team that knows what they're doing in the playoffs. Absolutely. You do not want to play a team that knows who they are, knows what they can be. And Mike Conley is a great floor general. Um, I think they're going to be really good this year. My next team is the Clippers. The Clippers. The Clippers have created, in my mind, the NBA's next super team. And here's why. You have Kawhi, who was voted by ESPN the best player in the league this year. You have Paul George, who I believe is a top 10 player when healthy. Those two by themselves, off the top of my head, are the only two people I can think of in the NBA right now that can give you 27 and lock up the other team's best player. They're going to hold the other team's best player to 15, and they're going to give you 27. That's really hard to do. Yes. Like playing both ways is not easy, which is why not a lot of people do it. Correct. Those are two of the best two-way players in the league, in my opinion, and they're on the same team. Then you add Lou Will, sixth man of the year forever. I'm pretty sure they're going to change the award to his name. Probably. <laughs> and he is consistently 20. He he should have been an all-star last year off the bench. That's insane. Yeah. You add Pat Beverly, dog on defense, great leader, going to push everyone to their max. You add Montrez Harrell who if he started, I believe he would probably average around 16 and 10. I think he averaged 16 and 12 off the bench, actually. So I guess it doesn't matter if he starts or not. Then you add Ivica Zubat. Um, you add a couple more pieces off the bench, some young guys um, that have grown up in the Clippers system. And they may not be super deep. You add Shamit, who is one of the best shooters, I think, coming up in the league. They may not be super deep past seven, eight, but in the playoffs, you don't need to be. Right. Nobody's playing more than eight. So you take their top eight against anybody else's, they're probably going to be favored. The biggest question for them is if will Paul George be healthy? Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the biggest reasons last year that Oklahoma City got embarrassed by Portland like they did, shout out to Dame Dalla, is because he was not healthy. He was getting his shoulder work on twice a day. He had to wear a brace. It's his shooting arm. Like, he needed to be healthy for them to win. He was an early on MVP favorite. And then towards the end of the season, he started tailing off. So if Paul George is healthy, it's hard for me to see anybody beating them in a seven-game series. Because you know Kawhi is going to get his rest, his load management. You know those guys can carry – the other guys can carry the team because they already have proven they can do it. So if those two are getting their rest and the other guys are still carrying the load, the Clippers can easily get the number one seed. But it just depends on how much they want it. And I don't I don't know that they're worried about that because they're so immensely talented. Their defense is going to be scary. The biggest question, though, is will Paul George be healthy? Because if he's not, then we're talking about something totally different, just like the Warriors. When KD wasn't healthy, we're talking about something totally different. That's not the Warriors. Yep. That's a whole different team. So if Paul George isn't healthy, 
this is no longer the super team Clippers. This is the Kawhi Clippers. And not that he can't do it by himself, but with Paul George, that's just another level. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the Warriors, that's the one I have next year. And um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, wow. So many times we've seen so many Warrior fans just come out of nowhere. <laughs> Let's just be honest. And we and if you're you're listening, you're you're a legit Warriors fan. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people who who literally became Warriors fans. You know, at the start of the playoffs. You know, right. when when they were when they had those runs. Um, and I can understand why when you watch a guy like Steph Curry play, it, it's easy to latch onto that. Mm-hmm. Um, just ice, ice in his veins when he shoots the basketball, especially in clutch situations. I mean, I remember him playing uh, at Davidson. I mean, this guy was passed up by NC State, Duke, Carolina, all three of them passed this guy up. He was a local guy out of Charlotte. Um, it was passed up simply because he was considered to be too small. Right. Um, well, he has proven those people completely wrong. He has worked hard and got himself where he had that incredible run of winning NBA championships. Um, just either everybody loves Steph or you hate Steph. That's the way he is. Yeah, That's where he is now as a player. And I think that's, that's an incredible testament to his work ethic and what he's been able to do with, with his craft. Um, but all that to say, and as much praise I can give to Steph Curry, this Warriors team is not the same team um, that he was on and led uh, to NBA championships. Now this team is a completely different animal. Right away, of course, Kevin Durant not going to Brooklyn. He's not playing this year with the Achilles injury, but still, that I think that's kind of a testament of how this team is starting to change. Mm-hmm. When you're at the top, you know um, – it's hard to be there a long time, and eventually you find your way going back down, and then you have to build yourself back up again. Well, on top of that, you have Clay Thompson with an injury. Probably going to miss the first 50 games probably up until the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, right now, it's basically Steph Curry and Draymond. And now we're all going to find out whether Draymond is the type of player that Draymond thinks he is. <laughs> And um, only Draymond's really answer that question because the opportunity is going to be there. Yeah. Um, so they also bring in D'Angelo Russell. How he fits into this team, I think, is yet to be seen. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's an interesting acquisition. Um, the talented player. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just trying to figure out how this is all going to to fit. And Steve Kerr's a good coach, so he will probably find a way. Um, but when you lose a guy like Clay Thompson for for basically half the year. You know, you're now without Durant. Draymond now becomes technically your second scoring option. And yeah, they brought in Willie Costine, but we're, I mean, we're talking about this being a playoff team. I'll be honest with you, I, I think this team at best is French playoff. Maybe they fall below that. Really? I really do. And I know Steph's great, but we're talking about the West. I and mean, we were just talking about teams before them. We're talking about the Clippers. We talk about them. You talk about how high you run the Rockets. I mean, the Jazz, they're going to be the Nuggets. I mean, that's four right there. I don't see them better than those four. Yeah, those are locks. Right. So then five through eight, you're talking about five, six, seven, you're talking about four spots. And there are some solid teams out there. That's not even including the Lakers. The Lakers, we don't got there. That's what I'm saying. So it's only eight spots. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I'm just not sure they really have – their name doesn't win them games. Yeah. You know, past seasons doesn't win them basketball games. And I'm not taking – and please understand, I'm not taking anything away from Steph Curry. I'm just not so convinced Draymond can be that second option. Yeah. When you look at other teams, name their second option, scoring. 
And D'Angelo Russell doesn't find his role, it's even more, it's even more of a scary situation for him. Because most teams' second option is better than Draymond scoring the ball. Yeah, he's not a scorer. He's not a scorer. So where are you going to get your points? That's been my question for this team. Yeah. And and now Clay Thompson does come back and halfway through. Do they have enough to make that run late? But it's not the East where there's an easy way to make your, your your way up to the up to the rankings. There's the West. It's just a brutal, brutal conference. Yeah. I'm not convinced this team's a playoff team. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I know probably a miracle will be happy because the Warriors are not in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody will be celebrating. And then you have a lot of Warrior fans become Clipper fans, you know, or Rockets fans. And then all of a sudden, man, it's like, wait, I thought your Twitter bio said, you know, hashtag Warriors, and all of a sudden it doesn't anymore. <laughs> uh, what happened, you know? Uh, but those are the same people, you know, who like somehow, you know, I love these kind of people. You know, they're like uh, like Alabama football, mm-hmm. right, right? Okay, Duke basketball, yeah. okay, Astros baseball, <laughs> New England Patriots football, I mean, and then when it comes to like World Cup, you know, they're like living in the United States. It's like, what do you pull for? Oh, Germany. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> enough is enough, man. I mean, I understand some, you know, you like different ge- geographical locations on teams. I'm not one that really argues a lot about that. But when every single one of your teams is always in the championship conversation, um, either you just have the greatest, you know, heritage of sports from your family, they just always pick winners. Right. Or you're just bandwagon and you're not ashamed of it and you claim to famous, man, my team's a championship every year. Yeah, you know what? That's shallow. It doesn't mean <laughs> a lot to you and it never will. Uh, but anyways, nothing from Steph. Great, great player. Um, I just I don't know. This year's team is not the same. It's going to yeah. be an interesting road for them. I agree. And I think the Warriors, one, I think Steph is going to go bananas this year. Uh, he's going to have to. He's going to have yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see MVP Steph this year. Um, Draymond, that's a great question. He just got a big contract. How is he going to be? One thing with D'Angelo Russell, D'Lo, one of my favorite players in the league, I don't know how he's going to work in this either. I think he'll be okay. When Clay comes back, I think that opens him up a ton. Mm-hmm. But while there's only him and Steph, I think people will learn how to guard D'Angelo Russell. I don't think he's a, a transcendent player like that. Right. But I know Steph is. So we'll see how that dynamic works out. I'm really interested in that. He made excellent points. My last team – is the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, my favorite team. Um, I was born into that. Shout out to my dad. He bought me a bunch of Lakers stuff. Um, he made sure I was a Laker fan. I remember watching in 04 when they beat the Spurs on the turnaround, Derek oh, Fisher, Jay, and I was yes. running around the house, you know, eight-year-old me going crazy. And then two weeks later, I was crying because they lost the Pistons. <laughs> And I remember – I have so many memories of the Lakers. Um, I had two Kobe jerseys in my office right now. I have a Kobe and Shaq clock. I got a Kobe jersey hanging up. I'm all in on the Lakers. With that being said, they're back. Yes. The Lakers are back. I was waiting for this, man. I was waiting the whole we time. are back. Notice, notice you wait until the 10th team. 10th team, too. You wait until the very end, man. Bring Best for last. We are back. You start with LeBron. Yeah. The greatest of all time. At me if you think differently. Email us, whatever. LeBron is the greatest. I'm willing to argue with anybody. You start with him. I know he's in year 17. I know he plays no defense, but he's still the best. Then you go to AD, mm-hmm. who, since he came into the league, I've been saying Anthony Davis is going to win an MVP. He just hasn't played over 60 games, so he can't do it. <laughs> but I think this is the year that he gets to about 65, 70. And I think. He's going to average 25, 15, easy. Like, 
there have been so many times when I'm scrolling through Instagram at the end of a long day, um, and I'm working and coaching and all that kind of stuff, and I see Anthony Davis, 44 and 22, and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Oh my soul. Like, what is what is happening right now? And then you give him LeBron? Right. Like, that's insanity. And then you fill in the roster around him. Danny Green, winner. Wherever Danny Green has went, he's won. He was with LeBron in Cleveland their early years. He went to San Antonio, was a big part of that. Just came off a championship in Toronto. I know he didn't play great, but he played well enough. Then you add KCP, who I think might actually be a good shooter this year. I'm not sure. I think he will. You add Rondo coming off the bench. You have JaVale and Dwight, who I think are going to be really good switching off. JaVale has that minutes restriction because he has that severe case of asthma. You have Dwight coming off, and Dwight is a Hall of Famer. Don't at me about that either. 12 and 12, you know what you're getting out of him. The pick and roll with LeBron and AD. You can't stop that. How do you guard that? There's no way. Yeah. You got to bring a third person over, and then he kicks it out to Danny Green. Three. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this team is amazing. Mm-hmm. You add Quinn Cook, who is a sneaky good pickup. Also from the Brotherhood. Yeah, I'm sick of them. <laughs> he's not going to be great, but he's going to come in. He's going to do his job. He's going to hit open threes. I think he learned a lot from last year with the Warriors when they lost. Because if you remember Quinn Cook, he got brought up when they won those two. Mm-hmm. So he just knows winning that he loses and he had to play a lot because Clay got hurt, KD got hurt. I think that experience will help him. So you see the Lakers and the Clippers. The Battle of LA is going to be insane every time. I think the Lakers are going to be in that top four. I don't know where because you know you got to sit LeBron a little bit. You know you got to sit AD a little bit because he's going to get hurt at some point. You're going to try to preventative maintenance that. I think if they can get to around 55, 58 wins, they'll be in that top four. If they get in that top four, they're scary. In Los Angeles, as a Lakers fan, championship or nothing. Yeah. We didn't trade away our whole future for nothing. Los Angeles is that type of city, though. Exactly. That's true. I mean, you're just coming from a Dodgers fan. When we don't win the championship, and I'm not from L.A., obviously my fan this is one of those three generations of Dodger fans kind of thing, but – I expect a championship. That's what L.A. does. Yes. Yes. And I'm so looking forward to it. You had Kuz, who I didn't forget about him, but he's injured. He has that foot injury. It's going to take him some time to get into that. That trio, LeBron, A.D., Kuz. You had JaVale, Dwight, Danny Green, Quinn Cook, KCP. That is a solid team. Mm -hmm. And you know when LeBron gets to the playoffs, things get different. Yeah, he gets a little. He gets freaky. I remember watching LeBron play the Warriors. I believe it was two years ago. It was last year in Cleveland. Game one drops fifty one. Like what? In year fifteen? Yep, fifty one, and it was easy. Well, what about the shot against Oklahoma City? When he's cramping and his legs cramping. He steps a three point. Bang! It's like I mean, he just the man's incredible. LeBron and he and now you help him. Like, I was so disappointed last year when they didn't make the playoffs, but I understood why. Mm-hmm. Lonzo was hurt the whole year. Kuzma gets hurt every other week. Josh Hart, I'm still waiting for him to be good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Brandon Ingram is Andrew Wiggins. So, like, what? Like you're not helping this guy at all, man. Josh Hart's going to get a high five. In <laughs> so sad. <laughs> My guy, Josh time. Hart, man. But you give him those pieces now, and AD talked about it the other day in an interview. He was saying – 
you know, I, I haven't scored that much, and we're up 30. You know what he's not used to? That. Yeah. He's used to, if I have 12 points, we're down 30. Right. He doesn't have to do everything. He's so excited for that. And I'm telling you, man, as a Laker fan, I am so ready to just rub it in everyone's faces again. The Lakers are back. Everybody talking smack to me last year. The Lakers can't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. LeBron's not good. Yeah, 27 is not good. Okay, fine. Right. Um, you know, all these things. They're young. One trade, we're back. It's it, We're here. AD is our, our defensive cornerstone. I, I like that. LeBron, I think he'll try to play defense when the playoffs come. He's not going to do it during the regular season. I don't blame him. If we can put this together throughout the season, and it's always hard when you put basically a new team together and you expect them to go out and win. We saw it when he went to Miami. It doesn't always work. But they, I think LeBron is older, wiser. AD is willing to be under him and learn, signing with Clutch Sports. I think this time around, LeBron knows exactly what it takes. He knows exactly what to do. And I think he's going to get it done. I think the Lakers are going to win it all. And with you saying this, you know, about LeBron being the greatest of all time, you know, the greatest of all time, don't at me. Again, folks, and to those of you that, that hate and doubt, and that's what that's what you do with LeBron. You don't look at his pure stats. This is coming from someone who just just looking at pure statistical evidence. Okay. Understand what was just said. This man is a key part of the LA Lakers this year. He is, he has to be good for them to be successful. And he is in year 17. <laughs> Let that sink in. Let that resonate and understand and grasp that and then come back and talk about why you don't think he's good or why you don't think he should be in the conversation, the greatest of all time. Come on, folks. Year 17 and he's still being talked about in this kind of way. We, we, need, we need to understand that and give greatness to where greatness is due. NFL up next. Welcome back to Coach and K-Dot. Uh, we're talking about NFL now. Kyle's going to lead us off. Go ahead. Well, you know, we're talking about the NFC. And uh, I've not spent a lot of time on this, but my Washington Redskins secured their very first win of the season against the Miami explosive offense, intimidating <laughs> defense, Dolphins. Uh, no, we almost lost at the end with a two-point conversion. Uh, but Bill Callahan has got us back, guys. We, we are now, we're now practicing with our helmets off when we stretch, and that's a big deal. <laughs> details, details, folks. Um, no, I'm going to start with the NFC, and after you got to talk about the NFC, you got to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. At one point in the year, it was, this team is for real. And now they're sitting at 500, and there are two games back. Two games, I'm sorry, two games in front of the Washington Redskins. Okay, let that sink in for a second here. Uh, that's, where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. They're tied with the Eagles right now in that division front and getting ready to play the Eagles this week. So huge matchup there. There's a lot of trouble right now in Dallas. Uh-oh. There's a lot of people that want Jason Garrett fired. Like now. Mm-hmm. Like get him out of the city. Make this man walk out of the city with tomatoes being thrown at him because they are so <laughs> disgusted. Um how in the world do you have this much talent on this team and still find a way to be 500 right now? That's true. Okay. Zeke Elliott 
is a phenomenal back. Going into the season, Dallas had the second best offensive line in the NFL per PFF. So in other words, they, they said this is the second best offensive line that he's running by. You have Amari Cooper, who I'm not going to say is, you know, in the elite conversation, but a pretty, pretty solid receiver. Yeah. Uh, Gallup has had a little bit of injury concerns, but still a good slot receiver. Uh, they had the pieces on offense to be very good. But the one position I've not talked about yet is quarterback. Uh-oh. Okay. I, I, I know this is kind of from Redskins fan, but I'm just going to read you this stat right here, and you tell me what you think from just pure statistical evidence. He's thrown 11 touchdowns and six interceptions this year. Six interceptions. Okay. Okay. Now, here's where I'm going to come in with this. Think about the last three teams he has just played were good, and they lose those three games. Right. Okay, let's look at their schedule. In the last three games they've played. They have played in the last three games. They have lost three straight. Saints, Packers, Jets. Okay, the Jets is the one that's making everybody mad right now, but their defense is solid. Their offense is, is uh, you know, yeah. not, not pretty. But they have a de- they have Jamal Adams. They have a good defense. Right. Packers and then the Saints. They beat the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Those teams are awful. So here's what I'm saying. You had 11 touchdowns and six picks in those six games. To me, it should be, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, man, Dak should have, I would be saying, pushing 15 to 16, 17 touchdowns and definitely not six interceptions. Hmm. I mean, the first three games he played, yeah, he looked good. All of a sudden, now defense start playing. And I'm not saying really the elite defenses. We're not talking about the Buffalo Bills or something. That secondary is just destroying, you know, making everybody upset right now. Right. I mean, I just don't know if Dak really – can carry a football team by himself. He's a good game manager. I will say that. Um, but when Dak has to lead a team, I don't think Dak is the current Dak guy. He's not a Brady. Mm-hmm. He's not a Rodgers. So calling him elite, I think, is a, is a problem. I don't see him as elite. Okay. Um, now, that's, that's just me. Um, but I will say this about the Cowboys. I mean, every year, you know, it's, you know, we're going to win this. We're going to win that. And then every year, they don't. You know, and every year Skip Bayless, you know, and I love I mean, goodness, come on. I mean, every year it's the Cowboys, we're gonna do this. You know, we may have lost we're gonna we're gonna finish the next, you know, we're gonna go seven oh down the stretch. And they don't, and then Stephen A's laughing. And I love when Stephen A laughs at him. I mean, after as soon as they lost against the Jets, I mean Stephen A is just in all his glory, chanting J E T S Jets, 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 laughing. He had the greatest Sunday he's had in years. And in Dallas, Jerry Jones is trying to figure out if Jason Garrett's the answer, what's going on with this football team. Because I, I will say this, Zeke's not getting any younger. Backs don't last like they used to. True. Zeke is a once kind of a guy you find a draft. You don't find a Zeke every year. So they better find a way to start securing some wins or it's going to be trouble in Dallas even more. And Jason Garrett's going to find himself uh, looking for a coordinator job somewhere. Uh, for sure. I have one question about the Cowboys. Yeah. If Zeke, or I'm sorry, if Dak is not elite, and I agree with you, to me, he has not proven that. No, he's not proven If elite. he's not elite, can he be the quarterback that wins a championship? I don't think he is, no. I don't think he is because elite quarterbacks have to make throws when it matters. Mm-hmm. And if you get into the playoffs, all of a sudden – these defenses are the best defense in the NFL. Those windows and, are tight. Right. And if you can't if you can't find a way to beat the Jets, 
and you can't find a way to beat the Packers without, you know, without two of their best receivers. And it's not the Packers defense is really that good. I mean, they're okay. They're not elite. And then, you know, the Saints, I mean, Saints are good. But again, I'm not seeing them as that, that elite defense. You're going to beat New England with that? I don't see that right now. I don't, you know, I'm so, and I just don't right now. Um, if I, the next, next team I want to talk about is the Packers. And I know Aaron Rodgers and I had the, you know, the incredible season that everybody, you know, expects from Aaron Rodgers and all his fancy owners right now are like, come on. Yeah, I'm one of them. I don't love it. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is not Rodgers, but I will tell you this, when you have Aaron Jones playing the way he is playing right now, you got to give that ball to man. Jamal Williams, same thing. I mean, both those guys right now are carrying the load in Green Bay. And by the way, they're five and one, and they've been without Devontae Adams. Let that sink in. He's a great talent as well. Getting him back healthy without that turf toe will definitely help them. That division should be entertaining. Vikings, Packers, back and forth. There it is. I knew it was coming soon. It's the Vikings. I knew I was ready for that one. Um, But anyways, right now that's where they're at. Um, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, his brother, you know, he's on The Bachelor. You know, Aaron, he plays football. I mean, hey. Uh, and then, by the way, they do not get along. If you ever read the article about that, it's very entertaining. That is a very interesting family, uh, to say the least. I go down to the south, and then this is for the local part a little bit here. Um, man, Panthers fans, first of all, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, my goodness, dude. This guy is a monster. <laughs> he is so good in space. He's – I'm saying it. Best back in the NFL. Boom. There it is. Okay, best back in the NFL for what he can do in between the tackles and in space, pass catching – He's incredible right now. Understand the Panthers are sitting here at four and two with Kyle Allen in the last two weeks. I mean, Kyle Allen. I don't think anybody knew that guy's name until Cam went down. Yeah, I did not know who he was. And now they're sitting at four and two, one game out of the lead in the South, which, by the way, is a decent division. He's got New Orleans to deal with. Mm -hmm. And the Bucs, I mean, they tore up the Rams the other night. So, I mean, that's not an easy division. And the Falcons, they're sitting there at one and five, but it's not like they don't have any talent. I mean, goodness, they got Julio uh, on the outside. So, I mean, they have playmakers. And they're sitting there at four and two. I think they'd be pretty happy with themselves. But here's the question. What happens when Cam walks into Riverboat Ron's office and says, hey, Ron, I'm ready to play football again? Yeah. And I know the, the obvious answer is, I mean, come on, you play Cam. And I'm, I agree. I agree. I think Cam's their quarterback. I think he is. And I, I think the day – when Cam Newton no longer plays quite for the Panthers, Cam Newton's on a different football team. Mm-hmm. I think he's their guy. Um, but I, I tell you, there's been some Panthers fans that I've seen either on social media or through uh, talk shows, and they're saying, man, stick with Kyle Allen. Stick with Kyle Allen. Okay, you won with him. And I get that. I get that. But who gives you the best chance to win? Mm-hmm. What Cam Newton brings to the table that Kyle Allen does, in my opinion, is in the red zone. Cam Newton is hard to bring down, folks. And I understand he may miss a receiver here or there, but Cam is is Carolina Panthers. Yeah. He is. Um, I still think Cam needs to come back. I still think it's a Cam Newton football team. And if Cam Newton come back somewhat healthy, I think we've not seen that in a while. Yeah. So I think if he's healthy, um, he's gonna be he's gonna be a great he's gonna have that almost like a midseason acquisition almost, you know, because he's back now and healthy and feeling good again. Um and I'm sure he's had time to work on his fashion game the last few weeks hey. for his for his post game. I mean, the guy brings it every week. Um, I've never been a Cam Newton hater. Um, I never, even when he was at Auburn. Um, you know, people get upset. I mean, he plays so flashy. He he always acts like he's smiling. Man, get over yourself. He has fun. He does. 
does. He does. And then everybody, I don't know why people hate that so much. And I know he has this, you know, charisma, this, this confidence. Some people call it arrogance. I like it. I like it. I'm not a Panthers fan. I like it. Um, so I think this is Cam Newton's team. I think he'll go, go back to Cam Newton's team in, in a few, in, hopefully in a couple of weeks if he gets healthy. Um, and then, and then of course, lastly, I, I love talking about Kyler Murray, um, strictly because we are uh, we have the same first name, and it's the only person that I know <laughs> of that has any kind of um, uh, popularity with my first name. Um, so anytime there's that person, man, I'm talking about. Uh, I also draft him in like three of my four fancy football leagues, and I will tell you right now, I'm actually enjoying that because mm-hmm. um, he's putting up good numbers. Man, you know, they everybody said, man, is it going to translate to the league? Is it going to translate league? Can he, can, he, can he really throw the football down the field like he can in Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma's offense not enough like, you know, a, a pro-style offense, you know, right. and all that kind of stuff? And then, I mean, who is he going to throw the ball to in Arizona? And people just forget that Larry Fitzgerald is still there and still catches, you know, six, seven balls a game. Yep. Um, the guy is late age. I mean, he was on the cover of NCAA football like 2003, 2005, or whatever it was, the Pittsburgh Panthers. I think it was 2005. 2005, yeah. So understand that, folks. He was on that cover. Okay, and like Peyton Hills was on the muck cover in Madden 12. That boy ain't in the game anymore. So I mean, let that be said about how incredible Larry Fitzgerald is and his his career here in the NFL receiver. But Kyler Murray in his first year, I've been impressed. Um, he's only going to get better, right? Okay, he's only going to get better. And as Arizona grows during this Cliff Kingsbury era, the Kyler Murray, the David Johnson, they're starting to put together some pieces that I think in the next couple of years they're going to be very good. And Kyler Murray is a smart quarterback than those that just run with just with reckless abandon. Yeah. He knows when to run. He knows how to protect his body. And by the way, this guy, again, is a two-sport athlete. Those guys are very special. I mean, he was a phenomenal baseball player. Yeah. And there is a question. I mean, you go to MLB, you're going to play for the Oakland A's, or you're going to, you know, you know, go to, go into your name to the NFL draft. You know what? I'm going to the NFL, and I'm going to show people that, you know, this may not be my number one sport per se, but I'm an athlete, and this is what I do. And now he's becoming a football player. See, we, I think we've seen Kyler Murray as an athlete, mm-hmm. and I think soon we're going to see Kyler Murray as a football player as he develops. Mm-hmm. And I think Cliff Kingsbury is the kind of guy to help him and guide him through this process. I'm not seeing Arizona makes the playoffs. Obviously, what I am saying is this, watching him in year one – let me make this last one. I'll be done. Watching him in year one and watching Lamar Jackson in year one, okay? Okay. Now watch Lamar Jackson in year two and look at his growth. And now think about what, what Kyler Murray can be in year two. Yeah. To me, that is a comparison that I think needs to be made because they are similar in some aspects. They're different in others. I understand that. But notice how well Kyler Murray, he's, he's played, I mean, the whole season. He's not having any injuries. Protected himself well. Um, man, he's electric, though. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm really excited to see him develop as a player. And I'm, I'm looking for the name Kyler, uh, that first name, to expand uh, to, like, you know, where actually kids will name their children. Uh, I'm sure they will. I mean, I mean, how could you not? Especially from Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, goodness, not? how could you not? That had nothing to do with my first name at all, uh, because this is literally the only other person I actually met or knew about that had my first name, and it happens to be just a phenomenal quarterback. And I was hoping to leave a legacy with the name Kyler, and this kid named Kyler Murray came up and it's like, well, forget that. I'm definitely number two now. <laughs> definitely number two with that with that name. You're growing up the baby name charts now. With him being so great, I'm definitely following the top ten just a few short years. I got one more thing on the Cowboys. Yeah, what you got? It is because I know so many Cowboys fans. Um, they're everywhere. They're disgusting. I don't like them for no other reason than they're Cowboys fans. Yeah, that's how I go, you know. They're America's, America's most loved America's most hated. Yeah, America. What does that even mean, America's team? I don't understand that. It's a mindset. It's a culture, man. That's what they do. I'm sick of it. Just like I'm sick of dude. Anyways. Brotherhood. 
if they fire Jason Garrett, which you know Jerry's not going to do that halfway through, no. it'll be at the end of the season. Who are you going to get? Like that's my question always. Okay, you want something new? I I know I know where they go. I'd be for if they did. Lincoln well, Riley. they're going to try. They're going to go after Lincoln Riley. But that's like the obvious he has such a cake job. Yeah, and you I'm, in my mind, they've I know they're already trying. You, you know Jerry has reached out through some channels. Right. There's some tampering going on. And, and he's going to throw whatever money he needs to. I agree. Because it's Jerry. I, I think – I don't – I if they lose Garrett, obviously I think Lincoln Riley's number one. But if Lincoln Riley doesn't happen, who's next? That's a good question. That's what I'm saying. Right now there's option one. There's not an option two, three, and four that people are really talking about. It's option one. And if you don't get option one, as so many coaching searches happen, they don't get option one. And I don't want to get completely off topic because I'm not trying to be, you know, like really over. But I just a recent coaching search to me locally was to hire Matt Brown at Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, and so many people were talking about, man, you know, this is option one. You know, this is option two. Matt Brown wasn't even option three or four. You know, and then he gets hired. And he's doing well. I'm not saying he's not doing well. What I'm saying is luckily they had some past experience with someone who has some experience coaching, has some success to go out and reach into. Right. But what happens to a team when options one, option two are not there? But for this organization, what happens option one's not there? And now that's a fair question. All right, guys, welcome back to the uh, Coach and KDOT show. And uh, we have Amon here. He's going to run down a little bit of the AFC, gives his viewpoint there. All right, so um, I'm not going to talk about New England. I don't want to. We know what they are. We know they're great. Um, that that's never going to change. It feels like Tom Brady's going to play until he's 97 and has great grandkids. And I quite honestly, if you're looking for new England feedback on this podcast, go somewhere else. So we're going to talk about Baltimore and I like Baltimore. Um, I've kept up with them a little bit and Lamar Jackson has been incredible. I, like, let's just say it comes out first game, five touchdowns. Like that, <laughs> and he yeah. and he came at his haters, and he told them, "That's good for a running back, huh?" And I respect that, and I love that out of Lamar. He's a competitor. One thing I'm worried about, though, is he leaves them in rushing, and to me, that's an issue. Yeah. Um, we've not really seen this kind of runner at quarterback, other than I guess Cam and, and Michael Vick. And Cam was a very different type of runner. Lamar Moore is like Michael Vick in that sense of a scrambler, create for himself type deal. They need more production out of Mark Ingram, in my opinion. Um, he, he's played well so far. He's at 424 yards. I'm sure he'll get to um, 1,000. He has seven touchdowns. He's played well, don't get me wrong. But Lamar Jackson, to me, to have a successful team, it's scary if he's your number one runner. Um, and I get it. He's doing a lot of that out, out of opportunity, but I think he's going to feel more and more pressure to run because he needs to. And he's spoken on this before. He said, I don't want to run. I, I just feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's a little worrisome. Their number one receiver, Mark Andrews at tight end, Baker Mayfield's favorite target at Oklahoma. Yep. He's been going off and I love seeing that Hollywood Brown. He's been playing well. He doesn't play a ton of snaps, but he's been doing solid. They're uh, at the top of their division right now in the north, and Cleveland is behind them. Pittsburgh is behind them. Quite honestly, this is one of the weakest divisions in football right now. Correct. And, and it makes me kind of sad because I really like Cleveland because I like star power. I like Baker. I like his attitude. But they've just been struggling. So Baltimore, um, 
I, I, I think they're going to continue what they're doing. They always have a solid defense. They will continue to have a solid defense. Harbaugh, to me, is probably the most underrated coach in the NFL right now. He's consistently been good with average. You know what I mean? Um, to me, he's kind of like the the Brad Stevens of the NFL. He's always doing better than what he has. Yeah. He's always doing better than what he has. And this team could easily win their division. I'm just a little worried about Lamar's running. But I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's a, a transformational player for that franchise. I was worried about him last year when he played against the Chargers, and he just looked terrible for the first half, came out, played better the second half. Obviously, this season he's been great. My next team is Houston, and I am a huge Deshaun Watson fan, a huge Deshaun Watson fan. That dude is just a straight-up winner. You know, like he, 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 he may not throw four touchdowns a game. He might throw two, might throw two picks. But at the end of the game, he's going to be there. Yep. And that's what I love about Deshaun Watson. Um, you look at them. Um, I, I've been a little worried about DeAndre Hopkins. I haven't seen him put up those huge numbers. They're not getting the football. I mean, of course, when Will Fuller put up the 19 receptions, 7,000 yards receiving <laughs> that one game, and of course, obviously not. Yeah, it's a little over the top. But still, it seems like he's he's not what he was. You're correct about yeah. that. And they got him the football. Yeah. And, and, and even last game – uh, Will Fuller had some drops. God bless him. He dropped two in the end zone. Yep. Um, I think Deshaun, though, is going to start coming back to DeAndre a little bit more. Towards the end of their last game when they secured that win, DeAndre was getting all of those first downs, you know, 10-yard back and in, um, five-yard outs. He was the one that Deshaun was relying on. I think they're going to continue to build that to where DeAndre is going to be considered one of the top receivers in the league again. He's never gotten the respect he deserves. And this was his year to finally break out. It hasn't been what I expected or what I really wanted. They've gotten good production out of Carlos Hyde, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, he's been a good running back for them. But Deshaun Watson, he's the key to this team. Everybody knows it, and everybody fears him. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I wouldn't say elite, but he's close. He's that next tier, I think. Um, the rest of their division is Indy, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Jacksonville just recently traded away Jalen Ramsey. Um, for picks, I kind of think that's them throwing away their season a little bit. Mm-hmm. Garvey Minshew, cool, whatever. Um, Indy, I like Jacoby Brissett. I think they're going to put some pressure on Houston, but I think Houston's going to run away with that one at the end. And lastly, we have Kansas City. And again, this is one of those trash divisions. I get it. Oakland is second. I did not see that coming. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. And Patrick Mahomes is probably my favorite football player to watch because he just does things that I don't understand. You always hear, don't throw off your back foot. Don't throw off your back foot. Patrick Mahomes is throwing fadeaway passes to people. Like he's literally running back. He's backpedaling while throwing, and it's just on the money. He'll throw it 80 yards. He's deadly accurate. He can run. And he hasn't been playing great as of late with those injury speculations, which I think believe to be true. I think his ankle ended up making his knee worse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if you haven't heard, which I'm sure you have, um, he had a patella injury, which is his knee. It got dislocated, and that's a really nasty injury. Um, he went, went to the hospital. They said it was the best possible situation for him. He's only going to miss three games. But for Kansas City, that's a huge deal. The reason that they're so offensively explosive is because of him. Sammy Watkins gets hurt every day, it seems like. 
Tariq Hill just came back and had a very good game. But who else is he throwing to? He has Travis Kelsey, an all-world tight end. But his guys on the outside, quite honestly, I don't know their names. So, like, Patrick Mahomes has been doing everything. I don't know that his backup is going to come in and do the same. And that's what I'm worried about with them. And their division is not great. I'll be honest. It's not great. But Oakland is sneaking up. Mm -hmm. San Diego, or excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers, they, Phillip Rivers, he knows, he knows the game. He knows what it is. And I, truthfully, I don't trust Matt Moore. So, Shady McCoy, he's going to do his thing. Travis Kelsey, he's going to do his thing. But Matt Moore is not going to do what Patrick Mahomes can do. Not even close. So, like, you're taking away Patrick Mahomes' production, replacing it with maybe 30 40% of it, and what do you have? You have a very mediocre team. Their yeah. defense is not good. No. <laughs> so, like, the Kansas City Chiefs, y'all should be worried because you just lost the MVP – Probably the best player in football, I think, in my opinion right now. I know he's been struggling, but he's proven and shown what he can do. And you're replacing that with a 30 to 40 percentage of what he can do. And and it's not like they have a lot of weapons right now. So I'm really worried about what they're going to be able to do. They're five and two. They've given themselves some cushion. I know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I hope it's enough for them to continue moving forward without, so that when he comes back, he's not having to chase somebody. But I don't expect them to necessarily, you know, stay above water. I think it's going to be a real struggle for Kansas City to win these few games because even with Patrick Mahomes, they they'd lost two in a row. And so now you put Matt Moore in. I mean, that's not going to help anything. Right. So I'm really interested to see what goes on with them. Um, the rest of the division: Oakland, Chargers, and Denver. Denver, Lord knows what's happening with them. The Chargers, I think they can make they can turn it around. Philip Rivers, I never count him out. Um, in Oakland, quite honestly, I'm just surprised that they have a winning record. Good for them. It's <laughs> Josh Jacobs. He's starting to play. He's really giving them that next aspect of running the football. So as long as that continues, I think, you know, it gives him that second option, which he struggled early on. Things right. had a little bit of resurgence lately. Here we are. Back with Coach and K-Dot. Um, this is our local segment. Um, it's Carolina-driven, Carolina-based. If you don't care about that, you probably don't want to listen to this. But this is for those of you that rock with us out here in Carolina. Kyler, tell them what's up. So let's first start off with my Carolina Hurricanes. And I know the initial thought, man, why hockey? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I've grown up with the Carolina Hurricanes. And many people my age and even any older – uh, they they love the Carolina Hurricanes. They're they're a part of this community. They're a part of this state. And uh, when they're playing well and they're winning, there there's not. I mean, you can't challenge their fan base on how in they are. Um, so we of course this year just started the hurricane hockey season, and uh, after a huge run last year, man, I loved uh, going to the playoff games. We were able to go to four separate playoff games um, last year. I mean, I was in it. I've been in it since we won the cup. Uh, man, with uh, you know, Rod Brendamore now, what's the player now is the coach, and and this team's a little bit of a different dynamic, obviously with Justin Williams, the former captain, now stepping away from the game. By the way, folks, I believe that he's leaving that option to return later in the year. Maybe didn't want to go through that that full regular season grind, um, but he's the guy that netted it for the Hurricanes to win the Stanley Cup against the Edmonton Oilers. And now, you know, that was a good 14, 15 years ago. Now we're returning back, and he's still playing. But this is the year he's finally taken away, uh, taking it off at least. Um, so, of course, you have Justin Williams no longer on the team. Now Jordan Stahl wears that that coveted C 
Um, and uh, I tell you what, a good start to the season overall right now, six and three started off just insanely hot five and oh, right off of that. Um, then we, we lost some late. We're on a big California trip right now. So West coast. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, Eric Holla has had, has been phenomenal um, scoring goals on the front of the net, especially uh, Ryan Dezingo again, another great acquisition. Uh, Hayden Fleury got his first goal the other night. This team is legit good, but it's going to start with our goaltending and also our ability to be good on the power play. Those are the two things with the biggest concerns going into the season. And right now they're continuing to be the biggest concerns of this season. Um, so off the year, pretty good on the power play lately. Not so much. Um, last, the last couple games, really Ryan and Rossi both have struggled. I think they have a lot to do with our, our defense, especially our net front presence. Um, but right now I'm still very high on this hockey team. I mean, folks, we're sitting at 12 points and we're tied with the penguins and the caps. You're in a good company when you're in that conversation. Um, the storm surges back. Uh, it's just fun. And it's fun to see Hurricanes hockey back to prominence again. Uh, it would be great to get back to the East Coast. Uh, it, it's not easy going all the way across the country and playing out there for a good week long almost. be good to get back back home for a while and sit on this East Coast so the travel time is not as bad. But this team's going to be good. I'll be, if this team does not make the playoffs, it's, it's, a, it's a disappointment, no doubt in my mind. Um, I, I need more production from Ajo. Uh, he, he's a huge scoring presence. He needs to be that scoring presence. Um, but I will say this to anybody that's a uh, Washington Capitals fan, um, I thoroughly enjoyed being you guys last year. And <laughs> I look forward to probably doing it again because right now we're all in y'all's heads. Um, we beat you in some like, you know, NBCSN, I think, had this, this poll about the best fans in hockey. And the Hurricanes fans voted more than the Capitals fans and actually beat them in the, in the, like, the second round. I mean, it was just in, in the NBC affiliate of the Washington Capitals literally put an article on why their fans are better than ours. Okay, you know you're in their head when they're doing that off of a poll that's done on Instagram. You are in completely insecure. Brock McGinn is in your head, and he will continue to be until you change that. Maybe this year in the playoffs. Oveshkin's getting older. So, anyways, Caps fans, you guys are disastrous, and I hope you lose every single game because I cannot stand you. Um, and if you're a Capitals fan listening, you're probably a great human. I just cannot stand your hockey team. So that's where we are with uh, Hurricanes hockey. Start of the year, long way to go, folks. So sit back and enjoy the ride. And I encourage you, if you're local, man, go check out one of their games at PNC Arena. Um, it's a great, it's a great experience. Um, it's easy getting out of for the most part. Uh, it's just a good overall experience, and it's a great atmosphere. If you don't understand hockey, watch it. That's how you understand it. It's really not that complicated once you understand what the blue lines are and all that kind of stuff. So you know, get in and enjoy it. Going to the ACC football segment. I'm going to start off uh, today with Duke. Uh, Duke football uh, had a big match of the day against Virginia. Um, right now, down 48 to seven. Uh, tough day. Uh, tough day for Duke football on the road against Virginia. Good football team. Uh, Quinn Harris uh, threw two picks today. Uh, only 88 yards. It just, it just, it just wasn't their day. And folks, I, I really believe Duke football is going to be fine. I think they're a bowl eligible team. Uh, Quinn Harris is, is a good quarterback. He's going to be fine. Uh, but I think today just was not their day. Um, I, I, anytime I, 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 I'm not a Duke football hater. I'm not, um, I really, when they're successful, I think it's good for the triangle. Um, it's good, you know, to, that when they, when they're successful. So I think they're going to be fine. They have a huge matchup coming up uh, with Carolina, big robbery game. So um, I hope they can get out of this game without any kind of huge injuries. Um, they can move on because when you, you got to beat Carolina, that's, that's the one you got to get. If you're cut, but that's the one you really want as a Duke football fan. Um, so Quinn Harris is at the reset button. Understand it's a new week. Understand that Carolina's defense is definitely more susceptible 
um, to him running the football and throwing the ball. Which, by the way, he does both things very well in their own circumstances. Did they just not his kind of game? Uh, Virginia just had a heyday running the football. Um, so big matchup for Duke next week. Uh, moving on to Carolina right now, they are tied uh, with Virginia Tech, 31-31 with 30 seconds left. Um, they are second and six at the UNC 24. So they most likely, unless something crazy happens, Sam Howe works some magic late. Looks like they're going to overtime at Atlanta Stadium. Um, but I will say this about Sam Howe. Uh, oh, my goodness, 22 for 38 today, 312 yards and four touchdowns. Last week on our podcast, I talked about how good Sam Howell is, and I also talked about how good Wake Forest is. Um, I was wrong about Wake Forest because they dropped the game to uh, Louisville. It was a close game, and they're, they're still a good football team. Um, I think I was a little too high on them. Uh, but I also mentioned how Sam Howell was the real deal, and, well, he followed up this performance with another real deal performance. <laughs> this guy is legit. He, he four touchdowns, 312 yards and four touchdowns. My goodness. Um, he's accounted for every score they've had today. They've not had a rushing touchdown today. So Sam Howe, what a great uh, start to his career as Carolina football. He's going to take this team to some, some great heights. And by the way, folks, this is coming from a, from a diehard NC State fan, but I can be real enough to understand this guy is legit. Um, big matchup again next week at Duke. Um, Sam Howe's first true rivalry game. Mm. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Um, also big, big news for Carolina fans, football fans out there. Uh, huge commit. Huge commit this week. Uh, Desmond Evans uh, from Lee County, uh, the number two rated prospect in ESPN's top 300 defensive end, incredible athlete, incredible potential, uh, committed to Carolina on Friday. Um, so that is a massive commit for them, which uh, puts them in a top 25 conversation for football recruiting after last year just having an absolute terrible season under Larry Fedor. You know, the, the hashtag, and I hate even uttering these three words, but the Mac is back, you know, that, that whole movement. Uh, I have to be right now, folks. That's a massive commit for them, and I don't know if he's the other one. There's some talk of even maybe Trenton Simpson uh, flipping from um, Auburn to Carolina. There's a lot and a lot of pressure on him to flip. Um, Max doing a good job of recruiting, and that's what he can bring to the table. Uh, so it was. It'll be interesting to see how how it continues. Uh, big game for them uh, against uh, Duke next week. No matter the outcome of the Virginia Tech game, um, which now we're 21 seconds left, third, fourth and ten, fourth and ten. Yeah, it looks like it's going to overtime. Maybe they'll get a punt off and Virginia Tech may have a chance there. But it looks like we're going to overtime there. Finally, moving on to NC State. Um, well, let me tell you uh, how today's game went between NC State and Boston College. Um, A.J. Dillon showed up, and uh, NC State's defensive front did not. Uh, 34 carries for 223 yards and three touchdowns. His backup, 16 carries, David Bailey, 16 carries. 181 yards and two touchdowns. Their quarterback is a walk-on. Their starter is out for the season. Through six completions, and they put up 45 points on the board. The performance by NC State's defense today was terrible. And I don't know if I'm so sure whether they're the players, whether they're the coaching staff. We didn't tackle well. I know we're not healthy. I understand that we're also in year seven of Dave Dorn where depth should not be a major concern at this point. Um, it's a lot of frustrated people right now. And I think the big reason why most people are frustrated is, yes, the defense was bad. But let me just read this to you real quick. This is a stat from today's game. And there's something that should just jump out of you as a listener. If you follow, number one, listen to our first week of our podcast. But second of all, um, if you watch any of the State football this year, okay? Bailey Hotman 
Four for 10, 27 yards, and an interception, which led to a touchdown by pick six. And here's that guy I've been talking about, Devin Leary. Now, I understand the completion to the attempts is not good, but I'll reference that in a second. 15 for 33, 259 yards, and three touchdowns. I counted at least seven drops where it hit the receiver in the hands. So those, let's say four or five of those convert, we're looking at 20 for 33. That's pretty good. Um, so there's a lot of big drops. I'm talking about really right in the hands of the receiver. So here's my question. Where has he been? <laughs> How do you have a kid that looked as good as he did today, making legit throws? There was one throw. He was on the outside hash mark, hash mark the left hash mark. Uh, receiver ran out route, hit him beautifully where only he could catch the ball. Had two beautiful throws to Thera Thomas in the red zone. Where has he been? How has it taken this long to give this young man the ball and say, go win us a football game? How? I don't buy this thing that all of a sudden, man, yeah, he was a third string and he comes in the game day and just happens to look good. Really? Like what what happens at practice is obviously something that's going to happen in in, in reality in a football game. And for whatever reason, Devin Leary has been right on the bench and he got one possession against Syracuse. So why? And I believe that's a question that a lot of state fans have. And by the way, rightfully so. I'm definitely concerned with the play calling abilities of our co-offensive coordinators. And I know that one of them is an elite recruiter. And I get that. But this is the play calling we're going to see. This team is going to be handicapped. I also understand that we're not being able to run the football. I understand it takes a lot of things away. But for instance, when it's, you know, second and goal from the one-yard line, okay, and you try to run basically almost a halfback, looks like a halfback draw or a read option from the one. How do you not line up in the power eye and just run the football up their throats for a yard? Or here's something just, I mean, groundbreaking in football right now. Quarterback sneak it. You need a yard. Why are we in shotgun giving our, our running back two and three yards behind the touchdown, behind the goal line, first of all, and then on top of that, not giving him any kind of downhill steam to get any kind of momentum. He's having to basically cut back as soon as he's getting the football. I just don't understand that. I don't. And the fact it's taking this long to get Devin Leary the ball is incredible to me. It is now the Devin Leary era. It's his team. Redshirt freshman, your team. And it is yours until the foreseeable future. It's time we give this guy the ball. It's over. There's no one else that needs to be in consideration. We don't need to bring you off the bench. We don't need to bring you in for one or two series anymore. It needs to be understood. This is Devin Leary's team. And uh, we're all going to buy a week next week. We go then to wait, which is going to be a very difficult matchup. Um, I am very concerned, though, uh, with our offensive line production. I will read this, and I'll end this segment with this right here. This is the rushing stats today from NC State. Jordan Houston, seven carries, 34 yards. Zonovan Bam Knight, 10 carries, 27 yards. And Trent Penix, two carries for three yards. Folks, when you can't run the football, it's amazing that Devin Leary had the stats he did because they're not respecting the run. Offensive line has to block. We need to get healthy. Um, do we make a bowl? I don't know. I really don't know. If, if we play the way we are currently right now, I don't think we do. We're not better than Carolina. Let's just be real. We're not. Okay. Uh, we're not better than Wake Forest. Lord knows we're not better than Clemson. So it leaves you Georgia Tech, Louisville at best. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of concern right now for this football team.
This is our last segment. Um, last week, unbeknownst to me, we had a Kyler rant, and it was one of my favorite things. And if we can keep it going, we're going to. So, Kyler, please, this is your time. Take it away. You know, as I as I was on Twitter this week, I I found something, and um, again, this is coming from an NC State fan, uh, Ryan Switzer, um, phenomenal player at Carolina, uh, originally from West Virginia, three star player. Um, great on punt return, just a good overall receiver. And by the way, great person. Um, I I know a couple guys that I, I talked to in, per, in in past that said, hey, you know, he he spent time talking to my son. Just a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, right now playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, last week had a little bit of a rough night, and a guy named Bill Crawford uh, basically come out and made this statement and said Switzer was voted most likely to get tackled for a loss in high school. Okay. First of all, I'm, I'm not trying to do whatever, but I don't know who this Bill Crawford guy is, but apparently 30,000 people do. So I don't know. I didn't know who he was. Um, but he basically has a voice on Pittsburgh sports, mm-hmm. labels himself as a comedian. So when you label yourself as a comedian, I don't know how much a comedian you really are. Um, but switch a response on Twitter to him. Right. And, and again, not cutting, not trying to like make a statement – just basically presenting his fact and saying, he said this, and this is all he said. On the contrary, I was a parade All-American in high school, a two-time All-American in college, a two-time first-team All-ACC performer. Please don't disrespect my work like that with clickbait jokes. It's not funny. I work on my craft daily and do my best to help this team win. Mm. Pretty straightforward response. Yeah, very professional. Here's my problem with this, okay? Right under that, and you can even see it, there's 737 replies, and most of them – are this right here. Why are you in so insecure as a player that you have to respond? Why not just let it go? Here's my problem with that whole thought process. Why is it that we have this idea that athletes can't respond to criticism? Mm-hmm. Why is it they have to stay silent and people can say whatever they want to about me and they just have to sit there and take it in the name of class, in the name of I just don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to you know, hear what I'm saying. I'm just not going to say something. So when someone does defend themselves, it's un- they're insecure. Mm-hmm. So they're going to sit behind your Twitter keyboard and call an NFL player insecure when your avatar doesn't even have your own face on. <laughs> that's so you're that's le- that's where we are. That that a player is insecure for simply defending himself and saying, "Hey, I work in my craft daily." By the way, which he does. You talk to anybody related with Carolina football, Ryan Switch was one of the hardest working players on that football team while he was there and has continued that work ethic all the way into the NFL. And I really believe what we've seen, and it happens so consistently, it really is sad. And it's not, by the way, it's not just this is what happens in sports. No, that that's this is what happens when people decide they want people to know who they are. They want that clickbait material. So they do whatever they have to do. To get people to look at them. Right. So they'll cut down anybody they need to off the totem pole of greatness or fame or fortune to get people to look at them. It doesn't matter who they hurt in the process. And to me, that's a problem. I understand holding athletes accountable. I understand that. Okay. You pay to go see them play. I get that. But we're not challenging whether or not there's effort. It's not like it's Mayor Ramirez out in left field you know, on a cell phone during a game. <laughs> this is a guy that's known as a hard worker. This is a guy that's known as high character, and, and the response we have as apparently as 
as you know, Pittsburgh Steelers voice of Pittsburgh Steelers sports, or I have my comment on that, and that's what you deliver, that's your content. You know, and, and I, I, I'm again, this is coming from a state fan who did not like Ryan Switzer, but I will tell you this I can respect his craft, I can respect his work, and I can understand this that he has more than a right to voice his opinion when someone attacks him. It's not insecure, it's simply presenting fact. He was classy in his response. I agree. And it's time that we let athletes say whatever they wish and not be treated as if they're, you know, for instance, and if someone calls you out on Twitter as just a person, we'll sit there and we'll debate someone for 17 hours almost in over two day period of time about why you're defending your arm. And you're, you're, you're verified, man. This is, I did it. And I feel so proud of myself. I defended myself. And then athlete does. It's like, wait, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be above that. Why? What? He didn't cuss anybody out. He didn't say anything wrong. He's simply defending himself and say, hey, I work on my crap daily. I don't appreciate this. Well, he, he shouldn't say that. He, he's a pro athlete. Really? That's where we're at now? And somehow the guy that makes the stupid comment somehow comes out looking like the good guy in this situation. How? I just don't understand that. I don't understand that. Right. So my ending thought today for me would be this. There's a difference between making athletes accountable and then saying stuff like this. There's no point to that. There's no point to that. There's athletes that deserve maybe some criticism. Okay, maybe. But when the criticism is made, make sure, uh, first of all, at least a little bit of valid and not just ridiculous. Second of all, if an athlete wants to speak on something and they want to defend themselves, they should be able to like any other person on social media. Well, they can't do that because they're an athlete. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? And it's, it's very troubling because they can say what they need to say. And Rice would deserve what he said needed to be said. He, he had 100% right to say it. And, and by the way, this is again coming from someone who doesn't like Ryan Switzer. Not even a Steelers fan. And I'm sitting there looking at that and said, yeah, he can say that. He's defending his honor. It's his craft. He takes pride in his work. And this guy's pride in his work that has 30,000 followers is let me, let me shoot off you know, really funny comments. Man, congratulations. You've made it. And back off some of the guys that are the good guys, you know? Yeah. And that's where I'm at with this. And Switzer's handled with class. And I'm not necessarily against this guy. I think it was a ridiculous statement to make. And then I think the people that said he shouldn't say it are, are even worse. I mean, come on. Let the man speak. It was class, dignity. He's a good guy. He's one of the most solid guys that I've ever that I've known to be on Carolina's football team. I mean, he is solid. Good guy. And by the way, I hope next I hope next time he takes the field, I hope he is just dominant. I hope this week or whenever they play, I hope he goes off, man. And I hope he responds back with, you know, I was voting in high school, you know, most likely be an NFL wide receiver. You know, I really, I mean, I hope he does, man. More power to him. That's my closing statement this week. Ryan Switzer, you're the man. Keep it up. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Coach and K-Dot. Again, we understand this podcast is really long. And we're not asking you to listen to the whole thing. If you want to, please, more power to you. But we are saying, in the description, the segments will be broken down. You can see exactly what you're going to listen to. And we encourage you to do that. We're on every platform available on podcast now. Anywhere you want to see us, you can see us. So please subscribe. Please comment. Give us five star. Tell us what we can work on. Email us at coachingkdot at gmail. Talk to us. Give us feedback. We only want this thing to grow. 
So thank you again for listening. Thank you for coming to Coach and K Dot. We are out. <laughs>